So uh, you guys know, if you haven't met me yet, my name is Danny. It's my wife, Melissa, in the back. And I remember when I had a propose before, I, let, me, let me check myself, before I proposed to Melissa, I had to approach her dad for her hand in marriage, right? That's kind of the way, the way it goes. And, and, and you, you go and you ask, you know, the bride-to-be, uh, your, your fiancé, before you propose, you go and you talk to her dad and you ask uh, essentially for, their, for, for, uh, for her hand in marriage. What was I seeking when, when, I, when I did that? And, and if you're a felon here and you did the same thing, what were you seeking essentially from your bride-to-be's dad? Well, essentially what I was seeking was his blessing. I wanted his blessing on me proposing to his daughter. And what that meant is that by, by receiving his yes, by receiving his blessing, it meant that I earned his trust. It meant that he thought I was trustworthy enough to marry his daughter. It meant that I earned his respect. It meant that I had his approval in order to propose to his daughter, to be wed to his daughter. It meant that I was worthy of marrying his daughter, right? If you go and you approach your bride-to-be's dad and you say, I would love for your, hand, your, your daughter's hand in marriage, and he gives you the yes, you've gotten his blessing, his approval of it. What would happen if we went ahead and did that without his approval? What if I would have done that without his approval? What would that build? Without the father's blessing, then maybe there would be tension in the family. Then maybe there would be distrust, maybe even enmity, certainly disunity, anger, frustration, and a whole bunch of other emotions. There's something that's carried behind the blessing. And, and the work of marrying his daughter required the blessing of the father. And we've been talking about rebuilding in this series. We've been talking about rebuilding, rebuilding our lives, rebuilding our emotional lives, rebuilding our spiritual lives, rebuilding this church. And when we talk about the act of rebuilding, what happens when we rebuild without God's blessing? What happens? You see, in the passage that we're studying here, the work, the, the people of God began finally working on the temple of God. They started to construct, they started to build, but something was missing. And so since something was missing, God lovingly corrects them. He brings this to, atten to their attention. Guys, if there's something in your life that is misaligned with God's will, God wants to bring it to your attention. And when He does that, He does it lovingly. As a, love, as a father lovingly disciplines his child because God loves you. And ultimately what He wants to do is bless the work of your hands. He wants to bless you. He's a good God, a good father that loves to bless his children. And so he needs to call some things into attention in order to bless us. So if you're ready to take notes, here's the first thing that we learned from this passage. Number one is this. If we want to obtain God's blessing, don't confuse busyness with holiness. Don't confuse busyness with holiness. So God, once again, begins to speak to his people through the prophet Haggai. There's always, I don't know, in my life it's certainly been true, God always raises somebody up to speak to me, to correct, right? To bring somebody into our life, to pull our ears or to just bring something to his, our attention, to share with us how much God truly loves us and wants to walk in alignment with us. And so this Haggai begins to ask through, you know, God is delivering this message through Haggai. He begins to ask some questions that maybe was weird to you if you don't know. 
But for God's people, this was totally something that they would understand. And he was talking about if somebody carried holy meat, and if they carried the holy meat in their garment, and it touched anything, right? What that meant, the holy meat was meat that was offered as sacrifice, right? In the temple, for the atonement of sin, for repentance of sin, and worship unto God. And so when the, and what he's asking, if the priest carried holy meat, and it began to touch other things, he said, would that make other things holy? And do you remember the answer to that question? The answer was no. Holy meat that touches everything else doesn't make it holy. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help explain that to you in a second. But then he talked about, what about if they touched a corpse? If they came across a, a dead animal or a, a dead some, something and they touched a corpse, they would become unholy. And then what would happen if they would touch something else? Can they transfer the unholiness then? Yes, they could. And so what he was referring to was the old, these Old Testament laws that God had put in. These laws were meant and designed for consecration and for holiness. One commentator, if you don't understand, let me try to explain it to you. One commentator said it this way. If I'm well, I'm healthy, and you're sick, and you came to me, we all understand this now, right? In a mid-pandemic world. I'm well, and you're sick, and I came, and you came to me, and, I, and I'm well, and I cough on you. So I want to heal you, because I'm, I'm good. So let me cough on you, so that you can become better. Does that work? Can, can I spread my wellness to you? Okay, now let's flip it around. You're sick, I'm well, okay? And you come to me, and you put your boogers all over me, and you cough all over me, and you breathe all over me. What happens to me? I get sick. So this is, the, this is I, I, that was really helpful for me, for this com- the way this commentator explained it. This is what he's talking about. You carry holy meat. It doesn't make other things holy. But if something is defiled, it does make other things defiled. And so God is trying to make a point here. And what he's saying is that the people of God are doing holy work with defiled hands. They're working on something consecrated and something holy, but their hands are dirty. In other words, there's something missing. There's something wrong. There's, some, there's sinful hearts. There's impure motives. Something was off. So look at what it says in Haggai chapter 2, verse 14. Then Haggai replied, this is after that comparison with the meat, so is this people, and so is this nation before me, and so is every work of their hands. Even what they offer there is what? What's that word? Defiled. And God is saying essentially that you're working, you're finally doing what I've called you to do, but you're defiling what is meant to be holy. You're working, but it's defiled. Your work is defiled. It is unclean. It is impure. There's something wrong with you. Your hearts are impure. Your motives are off. Something was wrong with the lives of the people that were working on the temple. And here's what me and you need to understand from this, is that God doesn't simply care about the construction of a temple. And we can read this passage and say, wow, God is really obsessed with creating a house for himself. And that's not the case. Well, God cares more about the construction of a building, he cares about the construction of their hearts. He cares about where their hearts are. Yeah, I don't know about you, but for me, I know that I can certainly confuse busyness for holiness. Well, God, look at all that I'm doing. Look at how I'm working. Or look how I'm seeking you. Look how much time I spend in your word. Look how much I study. Look how many conversations I had this week. But busyness does not mean holiness. 
Doing the work of the Lord means that me and Him, we must also be on good terms. Because if that relationship is broken, then the work I'm doing is useless. But God sees beyond the act of worship, and He sees the heart behind the worship. This is why I love what Romans chapter 6, verse 13 says. It says, Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to who? Completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. So this means that we need to examine ourselves. And we need to allow the Holy Spirit to reveal those ungenuine parts of our lives. We need to check our hearts. We need to check our motives. We need to check our attitude. We need to check for unrepented sin. And so often we could think to ourselves, well, look, I'm working for God. It doesn't matter that I have a crummy attitude or I don't feel like being here. I'm doing it for God. No, God cares about that. He cares about your attitude too. He cares about your motive. Oh, well, at least I made it. At least I did this. No, no, no. That's not enough for God. God cares not just about the construction of the temple. He doesn't just care about the mission. He doesn't just care about the calling. He cares about you and your heart. God doesn't just want a mission accomplished. He wants all of you. I don't know who said this. I can't quote them directly. You've probably heard this before. Um, But there's a quote that says, don't get so caught up in the work of the Lord that you forget the Lord of the work. I think sometimes we fall in love more with the work of the Lord than we do the Lord of the work. And we get all our satisfaction from the work of the Lord and we draw further and further disconnected from God, not knowing that God is not going to bless that. And the work that you're doing is meaningless. Here's the second thing, number two. More than sacrifice, God desires a humble heart. More than sacrifice, God desires a humble heart. So God is going to continue to communicate this to the people of God. Book of Haggai, chapter 2, verse 15. Now from this day on, think carefully. Everybody say, think carefully. Think carefully. carefully. Before one stone was placed on another in the Lord's temple, what state were you in? Here's the question that God is asking the the people of of Israel. And he says, think carefully. In this passage, he says it upwards of three times. Think carefully. If you like to underline in your Bible a circle, I would highlight that part right there. Think carefully. Because what God is doing here, he's calling Israel to reflect on their condition. You see, God was lovingly calling Israel back to him. He was calling them to repent. Repent. Not that the construction of the building wasn't important. We already identified this earlier on in the series. The building had significance because this was a connection between God and and Israel. It was the place of repentance. It was the place of fellowship. It was the place of worship. So there was significance behind the temple. But that what was more important was their relationship with God. That's what was more important. God cared more for them than the construction. And that's why when David wrote this in Psalms chapter 51... Verse 16 and 17, I love this. It came from a place of brokenness. He said this, You do not want a sacrifice, or I would give it. You are not pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifice pleasing to God is a broken what? Spirit. You will not despise a broken and humbled what? Heart. 
Did you guys know that when David penned these words, it was from a complete place of brokenness and humility? You see, David was living as a king. He was living his calling, what God called him to do. And he was working. He was building a kingdom, ruling as a king, but living in unrepented sin. David had seen a beautiful woman bathing on a rooftop and he liked what he saw and he abused his authority and approached this woman and ended up sleeping with her, got her pregnant. And in order to cover up his sin, had her husband moved to the front of line in battle and killed. He murdered her husband in order to hide his sin. And he was living in this unrepented sin. But then God raised up the prophet Nathan. What did I tell you? God always raises somebody up to call us out. And he called, raised up the prophet Nathan and he confronted the king. And he led him to remember, David, you're building a kingdom here. Great job. But there's a greater kingdom to live for. And David, you think you're a great king, but you've forgotten there's a greater king. And that message led him to ultimately repent. And in our work of rebuilding, as our, our, we have to ask ourselves the question, are we approaching with a broken spirit and with humble hearts? In our rebuilding, we must be able to, we must be able to lead through repentance, continual repentance over our sin. And we have to ask ourselves, is our hands at work in one place, and is our hands doing something for the Lord, but our heart, our desires, our motives, our eyes in a completely different direction? We have to ask ourselves that question. Because you see, a broken spirit and a humble heart will lead through repentance. It's a posture of reflection and it's sorrow over our sin and a posture of continual repenting before God who is faithful and just to forgive us our sin. A broken spirit and a humble heart will humbly submit and obey, returning to honor God, denying our flesh, denying our sinful desires, putting away the wrong motives. A broken spirit and humble heart will have a genuine desire to honor God, not living or working for my kingdom, but for a greater kingdom, to please a greater king, to live for Jesus. So we need Humble hearts that leads, to a that leads through a posture of repentance. And so in the act of rebuilding, are you coming from a place of brokenness and humility? As you build that part of your life, that emotional part, as you return to your first love and seeking Jesus and build your spiritual life, as we go into the work of building this church and inviting our neighbors and communities to be a part of it, are we going at it from a humble heart? Because more than sacrifice, God desires a humble heart. You see, God doesn't just want your body. He doesn't just want your acts. He wants your heart. He wants your affections. Here's the last thing for today. Number three. We receive God's blessings when we put Him first. Because remember, this is all about God's blessing. He wants to bless us. This is the good news. He wants to bless us. How do we receive God's blessings? When we put Him first. Listen, we all want to see results, right? In, in every aspect of your life, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, in church, in ministry, we want to see results. We want advancement. We want abundance. We want blessing. We want progress. 
The issue is that we want to experience it our way. We want to experience it by our means when we want it. But a common theme throughout Scripture we're constantly reminded is one about priorities. And when we misplace priorities, we miss out on God's blessing. In Israel's case, they were building the temple, but their heart was not in it. It was defiling the work. So do you think that God's going to bless that? God says no, absolutely not. And this is why God, who is so merciful, and so who is so kind, and who is so compassionate and loving and patient, rebukes and reminds Israel that he should be first. And when he is first, he promises this. Haggai chapter 2, verse 19. Is there still seed left in the granary, the vine, the fig, the pomegranate, and the olive tree have not yet produced? But from this day on, say it with me, I will bless you. From this day on, I will bless you. What good is it to rebuild something, even if it's a great thing, if God's blessing is not in it? God wants to bless the work of the people. God wants to bless your work. But he is more concerned with your heart. And he gives the people of God, he gives Israel a warning. He grabs their attention, and in that he gives them an opportunity to return. And that's what the Christian life is all about. It's about a return. It's about repentance. That's the idea of repentance that we have that carries with us in Christianity. It's the idea to return back to God. So here's the questions that we need to wrestle with. What priority have you given God in your life? Because God desires first, above all else. And by the way, God's not going to have it any other way. There's no bargaining with God. He wants to be first in your life. Are you attempting the work of rebuilding apart from God's blessings? Because then that rebuilding is in vain. Look at what it says in Psalms 127.1. Would you guys read this verse out loud with me? It's on the screen and in your notes. Ready, go. Unless the Lord builds a house, its builders labor over it in vain. So are you rebuilding in vain? Are you rebuilding apart from God's blessings? Because without God's blessings, we will never experience true peace. You're never going to experience true satisfaction. You're never going to experience joy, fruit, or growth. Whatever part of your life that you're trying to rebuild, if you're trying to do it apart from God's blessings, you'll never feel joy or satisfaction. And if you're sitting here today and you're asking yourself or you're thinking, man, I haven't experienced these things. I've been trying. I've been working hard. I've been going gung-ho in ministry. I've been trying to do all this. I haven't experienced God's blessings. Can it be? Could it be because you're laboring over it in vain, trying to do it without God's blessing? See, the work of rebuilding is worthless without God. And if you want God, we need to examine our idols. We need to repent of sin. We need to return to our first love and seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Now here's the good news. The good news is that God's desire is to draw close to you and to draw you close to him. And he provided a way for that to happen because he loves you so much that he sent Jesus to die for your sins. Because our sin alienated us from God, separated us from God. But God comes near to us through Jesus. 
And Jesus dies in your place to forgive you of your sin. And then he conquers the grave so that you can have new life in him. And now God draws near to you and he allows you to draw near to him. And Swerve Church, God wants to bless us. He wants to bless us. But we can't get lost in busy work. Worship for the Lord. We, we want to work for the Lord, but not lose the Lord of the work. So don't get lost in that busy work and thinking, well, through my accomplishments, through my doing, I must be drawing closer to God. God doesn't want to bless that. God wants to bless us, so examine your heart. Let's have humble hearts that turn back to God, that lead through repentance. God wants to bless us, Swerve. So first things first, give God his rightful place and then experience his blessings. In a moment, a song is going to come on the screen and you guys are more than welcome to sing along, worship along, pray along if you want. And I'm going to invite you to partake in communion. In the back, there's some communion cups that you can go ahead in just a second, grab one and partake in communion today. A song is going to come on the screen and as you partake in communion, you can Use it as an opportunity to worship God, repent of sin, and ask God to bless your life. Let's lead through humble hearts and putting God first. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would help us to grow in holiness, lest we rebuild with stained hands. God, I pray you would reveal what's within our hearts and that you would give us humble hearts, God, to turn to you and that you would give us this constant reminder in our lives. And Lord, I pray that you would bless this house, that you would bless our lives, because you are king, and you are first in our lives. And God, I pray that you would forgive us for the times in our lives that we haven't made you first. So help us reorient and, and prioritize our lives, because you are king. Allow us, Lord, to not rebuild in vain, but to rebuild with your blessing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.